Hey guys, GBC podcast number 45. I'm Courtney Weiss. I'm Shane Blankenship. Let's talk about sex and <laughs> politics and LGBTQ, all of the, the letters, which they've added a few, which is why I can't really remember. There, I know there's an I in there. Um, so my question for you this week, questions for you this week are like, um, I, I don't want to shelter my kids. Mm-hmm. but I want to be open with them. Yep. Um, how do we explain kind of like the craziness that we see as mainstream now to our children? And maybe we can start with the example of the swimmer that's a boy that's a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I was sitting here thinking when you were asking that, like where do we start? Because we've been sitting here talking about it for an hour and 15 minutes before yep. we started recording. Well, so let's it's start like, there. I think that's good because that was Hudson's example. My 10-year-old came to me with this example mm-hmm. and said, because she's mad, she's super competitive. You know, she's an athlete herself. And yeah. she's like... Why? 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 Yeah. And why are men faster than women? And why? Why? You know? And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, honey, I was like, God didn't make men different than women. And I was like, you know, the testosterone makes them faster. Mm-hmm. Their their muscle fibers mm-hmm. are built differently. Their 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 muscle mass alone is gonna make them faster. And and thank God that we do CrossFit so I can talk like this pretty, <laughs> you know, off the cuff. Because yeah. luckily at CrossFit, you know, we still have gender. Um, what do you want to say? Specific workouts where you right. might be doing 20 calories on the bike and I might be doing 15, but we should get off the bike at the same time. Yeah. And that shouldn't bother me as a woman that you're mm-hmm. doing more work because your power output is different. So I'm try- trying to explain all this to my 10 year old who all she can see is that there is a boy dressed up as a girl. So, so to speak, and he won and took that away from all the other girls that have worked their entire life Mm -hmm. to have the same title. Mm -hmm. No, no, I think that's good. And I think it's a good place to start um, because even, even, even the Olympics, right. Have um, some standards when it comes to this and they're trying to navigate the whole issue. Like, okay, well, if you're going to be an Olympic athlete, but you were born a man, but you identify as a woman, can you compete as a woman? And I don't, I, you know, I don't know all the specifics to it. Um, I just remember, and I think it had to do with swimming actually, um, was uh, the specific case that they were talking about. But I think like the Olympics, they require, you know, so many years of hormone therapy um, to basically offset the testosterone because mm-hmm. they reckon, because they, because even the Olympic um, committees or whoever it is that, that you know, govern that body um, and those games, they even recognize, all right, there's a difference. There is a difference between a man and a woman, and it's not just a penis and a vagina. Although that's you know that's the <laughs> that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. They also recognize the chemical differences. They are you know the you know the biological differences beyond um, you know the physical um, attributes of that. So so they even see that. So they're having to figure out. Well, okay, well how do we how do we how okay, do we navigate Shane, this? That's, right. That's the thing, though, is like there there are legitimate facts behind it yes. and my 10 year old as well as your children as well as anyone who's listening i mean are being told that there are not mm-hmm. those differences well there and there are and i think it's interesting it's appalling it pushes my redneck buttons if i'm if i'm quite honest with you as we go through i mean um the army um yesterday published new guidance for the army combat fitness test it's interesting because for the last I don't know, two years maybe, um, at least a year, but possibly up to two years. They, you know, the Army went to a brand new um, physical fitness test. So it went from the Army physical fitness test, the APFT, to the ACFT, the Army combat fitness test. 
added more events, changed standards, but they came up with one standard. It didn't matter if you're a male or a female, here's the standard. It doesn't matter, you know, and it, it was interesting. Here's the standard across the board. Well, now it's being reversed. They came out with new guidance. They took out one of the, um, one of the, the events and changed it to the plank um, because the other thing was too hard for people um, that they were doing. So they, For people they, or for women? I think it was for women, uh, but it probably was for men too. Um, you know, the idea was they were trying to test core strength, but they were doing something called a knee tuck, which in CrossFit world is kind of like a knees to chest, um, not quite a toes to bar, um, but it's knees to elbows. Mm-hmm. So it involved grip strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it involved like upper shoulder, upper back strength as well, um, plus core strength. So, and a lot of women have problems doing it. There was a lot of guys had problems doing it for that matter. But and you they, guys are holding this way that's and right. not a bar. And it actually does make a difference because I've tried it. We used to have somebody from the army that came in that, uh, that challenged us to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's a, difficult. it's a, it's a different workout. Now, like I was, I wish they'd have kept the event cause I could do right. them all day long. Yeah. Like it was, it, I thought it was easy, uh-huh. uh, easiest event in there. Um, but some people can't do one. Um, so anyways, they took that out and they put the plank, but they also published And this is what I think is interesting because it's it's also interesting because the secretary of the army right now is a is a woman, a real um, woman, a real woman, yeah, a, a woman who identifies as a woman, um, and the new standard is there's a male, and a female, and there's age, so they went back and it used to be age before, so basically it's we great. just changed the events, but we went back to the way it's always been with um, here's uh, age categories and here's male and female categories, and it makes good sense, right? Because um, a male or a female in their prime should be stronger <laughs> than the 55-year-old or the 60-year-old who's getting ready to retire. Absolutely. Um, so so it, makes, it makes good sense. So it's interesting that that kind of came around full circle. Now, you know, when it comes to how do we have conversations with our kids about this Tell kind us. of a thing, um, it, so... I think we should just be honest. Mm-hmm. I think we should have honest and open conversation. I think that when your kid says, so wait a minute, a, a, a man can identify as a woman and I'm going to have to compete against them. And you can, I think we should talk about all the kinds of wrong that is. Um, and I think it should be plain. And I think it should also follow with a, like with, with a biblical understanding of sex. And one of the things that I said when we were talking about earlier, you know, again, we went for like an hour and a half that I want to put out there, is I think that the church has been silent on the issue for too long. I think this is part of the problem. I think the church doesn't talk about sex unless they talk about don't have it. Um, and that has been shoved down people's throats so much. And I say shoved down people's throats because, you know, churches, especially in the Bible Belt, is, you know, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't drink. You know, and don't use tobacco or whatever. Don't cuss. Um, and those are the things that have gotten harped on to where I've even seen it um, where a newly married couple that hasn't had sex, and there's very few of those, are struggling with intimacy because they've heard don't have sex for so long. Mm-hmm. They um, think they're doing something bad. Exactly, uh-huh. because it's don't have sex, and which really there's a biblical model for sex, and it's in the context of marriage. Um, but the church has just remained silent on it. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, what's the story that people have been hearing? What's the story of, you know, what, what does sex look like? What's sexuality? Um, what is it? You know, well, the culture's been telling that story. Um, yeah, media's been telling that story. Movies have been telling that story. Um, and then we just 
stay quiet about it because, well, it's shameful to talk about such things. No, I think Christians ought to have the best sex in the world. I think we ought to have the monopoly on it. I think it ought to, God created it. God put it in every human being. It is a desire that's within us. We ought to be the ones telling people what healthy sexuality looks like between a man and a woman. <laughs> um, but we but we don't. We stay silent on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's so much. So um, I think a lot of times the church sticks with like right, wrong. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. Yeah. It's funny. I say that in CrossFit a lot. I'll, I'll do the movement and I'm like, this is what it's not. This is what it is. You know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes things can be black and white like that, but sometimes um, there's something behind it. And so maybe we stick with like the reasons why we should reserve our um, sexual intercourse part of mm-hmm. the relationship mm-hmm. for marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, so, you know, something that I go to on this whole idea with the, with the sex um, uh, piece of it specifically and in, in the context of marriage. Well, one, it's, that's the biblical model, right? That's when, that's when two flesh become one flesh, um, to use biblical language. Um, and you can't unwind what has been made one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a, that's, that's part of this perspective that I'm about to talk about. Um, but Andy Stanley said the smartest thing I think I've ever heard. And by Andy Stanley's own confession, I think he called it like a Holy Spirit moment when it happened because it wasn't something that he had, he had actually thought about or planned. Um, but he was speaking at a, like a youth retreat or a youth camp or something like that, basically doing a talk for kids. And there's middle school students, high school students in the room. And he's talking about sexuality. And he's talking about save yourself for marriage. And he's talking about why and all that kind of stuff and the biblical model of it. And a volunteer with a church, you know, some church, comes up to him afterwards. And, you know, she's a, um, I think she's actually an attractive woman, you know, you're probably in her 20s or whatever, and says um, to Andy, um, that's just for kids, right? Like, that's for, like, middle school students in high school. It doesn't really apply to adults. Those rules um, are for them, not us, right? That's right. Something, which is interesting in and of itself, that something was convicting enough in her or had her question enough to like, okay, wait a minute, I need to make sure this is, (laughs) this doesn't apply to me, Uh Um, that she was willing to ask the preacher, the pastor, wait a minute, you know, so so she does. And um, I think Andy responds with naturally like, well, why are you asking kind of a thing? And she tells a little bit of her story and what he says had to come from the Holy Spirit. You know, just God gives him this answer um, that I, that I think is profound. Um, He says, let me ask you, has, sex outside of marriage made your life easier or better or has it made it more complicated and her immediate response was more more complicated undeniably which leads to all other kinds of things because it's not just physical um and it's not just it is not just a physical act i mean there's even chemical things right from a from a scientific standpoint that we know happens um from that physical act the biological response to it um but we also know that there's an emotional aspect to it if it wasn't emotional and here's a very extreme example if it's not emotional then why can't girls who have been raped get over it Uh, why can't they just get over it why can't they move past it if it was a physical act once the physical wound heals then why isn't it why isn't it better why isn't it why isn't it okay now because something more than physical has happened. And so I think it's 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 graphic to think about it in the context of, of rape, but it's great to see it in the context of rape. Because if it was just physical, then it wouldn't be a big issue. Well, I think these are things that we have to talk to our kids about, but to take it maybe a step uh, further or, or in another direction is like, 
I think that the first time they hear it, it's from the parents. But mm-hmm. then I think we have to make sure that your kids are hearing the same story from several other um, reliable adults. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know, I know I grew up, my mom said the same thing. There's too yeah. much baggage. Don't be having sex before you're married. It's too much baggage. She said it all the time. Yeah. Do you think I like got it when she said it? No. no. And I don't yeah. really remember being super close with my pastor. I don't remember really having like a coach that would be like, hey, Courtney, like, let's keep your head on straight. Let's not do that. You know, I don't really remember that. Yeah. Um, so my point is, is that um, I think that th- that between keeping them in the truth, which mm-hmm. is what you just said, mm-hmm. um, we have to make sure that we're surrounding our kids with people that are telling them the same stories. Because outside of that, it's really loud. Because they're going into their classrooms mm-hmm. and they're seeing videos on sex education that would just knock your socks off in the worst possible way. Yeah. Um, they're hearing about, you know, um, kids that are identifying as cats, um, <laughs> kids that are wanting to identify as what they're not. Yeah. And they're, it's, ta- it's talk in the fourth grade hallway at, mm-hmm. at our school, mm-hmm. you know, and we're 10 years old and we're talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, I just have to make sure that, that our voices are louder than what they're coming home from school hearing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and we got to be having the conversation for our voice to be loud enough in, in, anyways. Mm-hmm. And I think having that conversation and having that conversation from, again, that biblical worldview, I, I don't know if there's too many adults out there that could explain it themselves. You know, they could talk about it and have already thought through it um, to even be able to have an intentional conversation. So if you can't, then how in the world can you have that conversation with your children? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you should just go ahead and expect that whatever school or culture or movies or internet is teaching them well that's that's for them that's like oh that's how it is yeah and they're learning something so then they got to unlearn some things to go back and do it so i feel like if we're doing it on the front end and we're being open about it and we're being honest about it and we're going no this is this is this is by design um <laughs> let me show you how it works i used uh, the the language that they fit together they fit perfectly <laughs> um that does like you know from the physical act when a man well i feel like that's woman, god Absolutely. Like it was made by design. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, you know, there's there's so many facets to, to the whole thing, I think. But understanding how it works and, and the design, um, you know, it's the, even the boring stuff of it and the creation stuff of it. And, the, you know, people don't usually have sex to make babies, but that's how babies are made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But most people aren't having sex for that especially if you're a college kid and you're having sex with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever yeah probably not trying to get a baby out of the thing it, actually you're probably trying to prevent a baby right you're actually you're probably taking precautions because somehow you know that when you do this a baby is possible like well yeah because it's part of the reproduction like it's part of our created order yeah. the re- reproduction process is part of it and that's part of god's design in us that's part of his Im- that's that's part of the image that we bear, um, and that the male has a role, and that the female has a role, and so a male can identify as a woman all day long and call himself a woman. At the end of the day, though, he has no feminine reproductive parts, regardless of the surgery that he has. Um, he can have his penis removed, a vagina installed, but that vagina will never work like a woman's vagina, right? It's never it's never going to be able to um, hold eggs that can be um, fertilized and grow a baby in there. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, biblically, 
<laughs> from a theological worldview um, to, to be that simplistic with it. It's just, it's not going to happen. Well, um, and I, I mean, just to interrupt really fast because you did a good job of defining what a woman is. Um, <laughs> you know, I talk to my kids about that all the time because luckily I was pregnant when they were sort of like of the age to ask a lot of questions and see all of my body changing and stuff like that. And I, I'm so thankful that happened at the time that it did. Yeah. I almost wish I could have another one just so I can keep teaching them. <laughs> I mean, nothing greater yeah. than like the real real life sure you know whatever but um you know i always tell my kids i'm like god made us so special you know mm-hmm. like we are women we're the only species or species or we were the only gender i guess it, i should yeah. say that can get pregnant we can grow human life and then we get to also deliver mm-hmm. it and yep. the you know as hard as it is physically to deliver a baby like we get rewarded with all of those good hormones like yeah. all of that is by design and it's a miracle and it's amazing and so i'm just showering my kids with all this kind of language about how amazing the female body is mm-hmm. and so that's that's what they're hearing from me shane and that's probably what they're going to hear from you or from hannah you know, or friends and family that, that feel the same way. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the, what they're seeing on the media that like, there's a swimmer that can beat all these other girls that have been trying really hard. I'm like, you know, life's not fair. You yeah. know, we live, we live mm-hmm. in a fallen world and you know, I, that's all I can really say. We live in a fallen world and things are a little crazy right now. They're um, a little louder than they used to be when you and I were growing up, I would say. Yeah. Um, even, even a little bit different than when we were growing up. And so um, I struggle sometimes, to, you know, what what do I tell my kids? And how do I raise my kids in this environment? Yeah. So I guess, like, we keep them in this environment because you and I both believe in the public school system. I mean, Hannah Absolutely. is a teacher. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we love our teachers. Mm-hmm. We, love, we love where we are. But I will say that some of the things that, like, are being brought home, I don't personally agree with. And so I have to constantly be telling my kids, well, that's a theory, it's a, the- right. it's a yeah. theory out there, yeah. but if you ask mommy, like, this is what I think the theory is. And, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, if, I mean, like, let's just talk about climate change or we could talk about the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. God created the world. Like it yeah. says right here that his words created this. And yeah. if this is what we believe, then we can't really, these two things don't live simultaneously. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times Satan makes it so loud and so in your face, and he's infiltrated like the, the, the minds of kids that it sometimes can be hard for the parents. I mean, sometimes it's just easier to be like, whatever, you can believe in the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, I've heard it explained, you know, yeah, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said, um, let there be light and bang. Bang. Happened, there was. You know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, that's just it. I mean, even, but listen to the language, the Big Bang Theory. Some people uh, subscribe to the Big Bang Theory as truth. So let's call it the God Theory. Um, and, um, well, I, the God theory for me is not a theory, it's truth. Just like the Big Bang theory is not theory for some people, it's, it's truth. It's true, right. Um, but we know what what is true um, based off of our faith mm-hmm. um, and based off of that biblical worldview. Um, because usually the people who subscribe to the Big Bang theory are also subscribing to evolution. Um, and, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> it's just what's crazy, uh, I think, in the argument is that, okay, so somewhere – Along the line, there was like maybe a tadpole of some sort that somehow evolved into a human being um, that could reproduce and produce other human beings. Well, why hasn't over time and over creation, why hasn't there been other tadpoles that have evolved and become humans just out of that natural order? Um, And there is no answer for that um, because it doesn't make any sense anyways. No, I'm Um, like crossing my eyes. (laughs) You know, but but when you look at the design... 
Um, and so many people have come to this conclusion. Um, he gets a lot of drama. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I think he was the, the, the leader of um, um, the NIH, the National, National Institute of Health. Um, and uh, I think Trump was talking a lot of crap about him at one time, too. And, you know, some people like him, some people don't, some people. But Christians have also, um, I saw Christians walk out of a conference where this guy spoke. I just can't remember his name. He mapped the human genome. The DNA, the human genome, um, he did it. Mm-hmm. What's funny was was that he wasn't a believer when he did it. He came to Christ by doing it. He came to realize there has to be a creator. You always say God can use anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I just thought it was crazy. Fran, Dr. Francis um, Collins. That's it. Francis Collins. Okay, I was going to say. Okay, I don't. I think I'm pretty sure that's the one who, uh, you know, Google me on it. Um, Check it. Um, But I'm pretty sure it's Dr. Francis Collins. But Francis Collins wasn't a Christian through the Human Genome Project that he led and produced that, that, you know, what does DNA look like? Um, He came to realize there has to be a creator. There's no way this could just be by happenstance. Um, And so, again, you know, God works through all of those things. And I'm saying all that to get back to like a creation, um, how we were created mm-hmm. um, and God's order of things. Because I, I think it comes down to that. And I think when we're talking about sex, when we're talking about sexuality and what that looks like, it's not just about that. It's about so many other things as well. And I think it's, it's rooted in that. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 is where our Bible study was, um, was in last night. And Paul is right into the church at Thessalonica. This is probably somewhere between 12 and 18 months after he started the church there. Um, and he writes back to them and he's reminding them about their sexuality and, and um, basically not to give in to sexual impurity mm-hmm. and, and to, live, um, to live set apart from, I think he uses the term in the NIV, the heathen, um, that you're not like them. Um, and, um, I mean, even goes, goes, uh, forward to say, you know, don't, don't, don't hurt your brother or harm your brother in that way. Like if you sleep with your brother's wife, um, brother being, you know, not necessarily a kin, but you sleep with your friend's wife or another man's wife, then you're causing harm to that marriage. Don't, don't do that. Um, and, but then he takes it from there and he talks about, um, desire and he goes beyond the physical act right of sex or sexual morality and he addresses the the desire the internal thing the heart that drives us to that and so that's what i'm saying i think it you know the topic even gets broader on that like by design of how god designed us and how like that's in every one of us yep it's part of the created design there is sexual desire in every single one of us so we teach our kids what that proper context looks like. What is it? What is healthy sexual relationship looks like? So that, um, and obviously this is an adult podcast. So if you've got a kid in the room, you might want to stop and you can come back to this here in a minute. Um, but you mentioned before we started recording, um, you know, 10 year olds talking about giving blowjobs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so that's either right or it's wrong. And most people are going, hold on, that's wrong. Well, why, why is it wrong? Let's, let's, let's track that down. Let's trace that down. Well, first of all, it's a twist. It is a twist in the created. We're fulfilling a desire and a pleasure in a twisted way, mm-hmm. right? That is, that is not, it is not a part of the way it was meant to be fulfilled or meant to be desired. I mean, and if you want proof that Satan exists, that's it. 
Ah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's because he mean, will distort the truth to the point where it always. becomes normal. And so, this actually opens up perfectly for my next question. You know, we were in reading about David last week in uh-huh. your message, and yeah. so I'm crazy, and I'm like, well, I have to learn everything there is to know in about seven days for my next podcast with Shane about David. <laughs> Um, but it just made me think, you know, David was not perfect. Therefore, mm-hmm. neither am I. Right. Um, David is obviously very highly favored by God. Is he, he's, does he not have the reputation for being a God, a, a guy, wow, a man, a man after, after God's, God's that's heart? That's right. And so I, that kept like in my mind as I'm reading about David and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's, he did some really bad things. You Absolutely. Know? He's not perfect. Right. He's not perfect. And so I guess I'm like, you know, if David's a sinner, so am I. If Moses is a sinner, so am I. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single person in the Bible was not Jesus. That's right. And so, you know, he, you know, people might justify like in the Bible if they're reading it um, outside of context or maybe even because they're seeking an answer to having more than one sexual partner. They're like, well, David, David had several wives and mm-hmm. I think a lot of them had several wives and I th- found it very enlightening that you were like well according to that that it was still wrong back then they just did it anyway yeah yeah so you know that's not that's a we say stuff like that I think sometimes to justify um I don't know maybe some activity that we want to to right. to delve into or some something make similar us feel better well um, David did it right and but that doesn't make it right mm-hmm. and David is a man after God's own heart he, he knows that but that doesn't mean he's perfect and he's not perfect um, and um, but yet at the same time he's an incredible example and I think I mentioned this past Sunday you know that thing that that separates David that makes David different than Saul is that Saul isn't pursuing what God wants. Right. He's obedient. He his mess-ups doesn't matter to him. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to please himself. You know, he's, Saul's just looking out for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas David, um, David comes around every time. He falls short, comes back around. Well, I find, see myself in David. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like I mess up so many times, and then I, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray about this, and I'm going to do better, and then I'm back on my knees going like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what did I just do? And so I, I felt like I really could identify with him. And so I did want to make sure that we brought up that, like, just because you even see it in the Bible doesn't make it right. Just like, I mean, when you see it on Netflix and you see it on Amazon TV and all the other places that we're seeing all this crazy stuff doesn't, it's not right. We just have to make sure that we are embedded in the truth. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I think. Like, it's not, it's not so simplistic as, um, you know, God created a man, God created a woman. Those are the two genders, and it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is that simplistic, yes. But at the same time, it doesn't help the, the, the kid who's learning up and hearing other things at school. Like, I, I think understanding the why. I think understanding how things work. Um, you know, we talked briefly about the whole reproductive process. And, like, I think, I think that understanding helps mm-hmm. um to be able to discern wait hold on okay I, so you're saying this but here's what i've been taught and they can start at least processing so they can get to the point where okay well a woman can call herself a man but she doesn't have a penis and if she even has one attached it still's not going to shoot sperm out of it or what you right, know, right, whatever right. like i'm just i know i'm 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 trivial you know making it uh, trivial almost but that's that's the thing like if they understand that part of it and I, I think our kids can understand way sooner than we think they can. Oh, you yeah, know, my kids, and I think they understand. I th- 
They understand it on their level. Yes, for sure. And again, you know, to go back to, uh, I, I know it's vulgar, but it's it's appalling all at the same time for a 10-year-old to be talking about blowjobs. Yeah. Um, or giving blowjobs, for that matter, or whatever. Um, participating in the act. Like, they may not understand consequences. They may not be able to, to, to wrap their mind around, well, what does that do emotionally? Yeah. What does that do mentally? What is, you know, all that whole aspect of it. But if they can understand the basics, like if they if we're talking about that, then there's at least something foundational that they have within them from us first that helps them interpret what they're hearing. Yeah. Um, and it helps them interpret and go and hey mom, this is what I heard. Or hey dad, this is this is what they're talking about at school. And yeah, well, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we believe about that or whatever? And it begins a conversation hopefully based off of something that's already been founded in them. And I think it's a steady conversation, mm-hmm. not a one-time, okay, I did it, mark it off the list, because the exposure that they're getting elsewhere is, to me, is just, it's getting louder and louder and louder and more and more and more, and then mm-hmm. they're going to be, you know, soon here, like, having full access to their computers and YouTube and all those kind of things. And so I'm like, gosh, the more I can talk about it and the more I can just root them in in the truth, the the better off that we're going to be. But it's it's it is upsetting. And sometimes I can, like all the other parents, get bogged down in like, you know, why is this happening and why you know, why are we dealing with what we're dealing with? And, you know, do can we remove ourselves from this position and just, you know, you want to shelter your kids. Um, but mm-hmm. I understand that you can't. Well, you said something interesting. If I if I can bring this up for a second, um, because this is also ten year old talk, evidently. Yeah. Is yeah. Um, you know boys that want to be with boys and girls that want to be with girls. Now, Shane, I don't feel like we heard about this kind of stuff until we were in high school, and uh, yeah. it was very much like a flamboyant like joke. Um, you know, it, it was it didn't seem real. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not getting that same vibe that these, it's not. these days. And so I, you know, I'm like, well, some boys do want to be with boys. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to lie, right. you know, and we haven't like approached the conversation of like, are you born that way? Is it a choice? You know, I just, I just say, yes, some boys do want to be with boys and some girls do want to be with girls, but I want to be with your daddy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, on a very basic level, of course. Yeah, that's that's um, you know that happens. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know how, you know, how much you want to dive into it. I guess with a kid um, and where you want to go there with it. But I do think it's that that whole. You talk about you know, you know, are they born that way? Are they not born that way? And we talked about this a little bit um, earlier before we started recording as well. And that's that whole idea of. Um, you know, a theology of sin. And for the most part, that we don't, you know, we don't really have a theology. We don't have an understanding, a good grasp of that. So that, you know, I've heard Christians say um, um, at some point, um, you know, you, you, you can't be born that way. You know, there's no way, God didn't design it that way, you can't be born that way. Well, if we're born into sin, you can be born that way. Um, You can absolutely 100% be born that way. Um, And if you're paying attention, you can probably see some tendencies early. Um, That doesn't, that's the whole idea of sin, right? We live in a fallen world and we are born into it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why we need Jesus. There's not one of us who are righteous. We're not, not one of us who are perfect. We are all in need of the grace of God. 
Um, but just because it's that way or someone feels a certain way doesn't mean that it's okay. And just because we're all sinners doesn't mean that all sin is okay either. And I think that's important to, to, to recognize and realize. Um, I, you know, it shouldn't cause us to operate from a position of, well, anything goes and anything's okay. Cause you know, we're all sinners. I mean, don't judge me. I right. won't judge you. Everything that kind of under thing. the umbrella. But it ought to move us to grace, and it ought to move us to mercy. Um, and that's completely different. It ought to recognize that, you know what, I'm a sinner too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Um, it's, I, I love when the New Testament especially um, speaks against sexual immorality because it's all-encompassing. It's not just... All of it, yeah. Yeah, it's not just homosexuality. It is all sexual immorality. Um so, you know, yeah. it, it, it encompasses pornography, um, which with pornography, as far as the physical presence in the room, it's usually just one person, right? Uh, it's one person in a magazine or one person in the Internet or one person in a movie. Uh, there's not even another physical person in the room. But there is a sexual immorality that is happening in that uh, that is beyond the physical because it's not just physical, right? Um, so it encompasses that. But it also encompasses the guy who sleeps around on his wife. Or the woman who sleeps around on her husband. Mm-hmm. That's all part of that immorality. Or sex outside of the context of marriage. It's all sexual immorality. Um, and so it would be easy for a conservative to harp on one side of it. But at the end of the day, it is all wrong. I think that's a really good point. And I think that sometimes the argument um, stay. It's just so interesting how Satan works. The argument will stay. Well, well, are they born that way or are they not? And I'm like, well, is that really even something that we need to talk about? Because it's it's the that argument alone is separating that person from church, yeah. right? Because yeah. if they feel like the only way that they're not going to be saved, let's just say, is because you know we feel like that they're making a choice that they shouldn't be making, then mm-hmm. they're going to stay away from the church forever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, and unless they hear the message that, hey, like you're a sinner and I'm a sinner, just like David was a sinner, and guess what? He's in the Bible, just mm-hmm. like Paul was mm-hmm. a sinner, and guess what? He wrote so many chapters of the Bible, yeah. and like we think they're amazing, but we're all underneath Jesus. We're yeah. all sinners, and so I think I, th- I I love that perspective because it it still makes us like loving and kind, and accepting without having to you know split hairs on something that's so worldly yeah because i think that's i think that's what it would you know that in and of itself becomes such a distraction that we focus on a specific sin um and it's so it's not to the you know it's also the the flip side of that is that we don't just ignore uh that either but at the same time followers of jesus cannot expect the world to follow jesus Followers of Jesus have a different life that they are called to outside of the world. So Paul even says, um, basically, that you're foolish to expect the world to live like you. You cannot, you cannot impose upon the world the um, the characteristics, the values of of Christ like that. Is that the do not give pearls to pigs part? No, but I mean, but but it kind of speaks to that whole aspect of it. Like if you're trying to expect an unbeliever to. Be faithful to their spouse. Yeah. Um, well, they might, and that may be a reasonable expectation. But, but we're doing it for a different reason. If we belong to Christ, right? Like, like our our reasoning is different. But furthermore, you know, you even look at the the Sermon on the Mount. I did a whole series about this with the practice series. You cannot be faithful to what Christ has called you to. None of us can without Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
to put that expectation on people who don't know Jesus. Yeah, it's like impossible. You're setting them up for failure in the first place. Right. So what we need to do is just get them into church, which means that we have to be ambassadors of Christ. I circled it really big on the page. Like if we can just, you know, embody like the whole, just the loving kindness that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to, then maybe they want to find out what that's about. And then they have an experience with God that changes their life, hopefully. And and here's the thing. Like, if it doesn't, it doesn't. That's between them and God, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, my sin is just as great as yours. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the, the, the homosexual who follows Jesus and, and decides to give their life to Christ, you know, does the desire ever go away? I, I don't know. Um, I know that God could 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 change that desire or change them and save them. So I'm not justifying it, but I'm also saying, but I also know men who have followed Jesus for thirty or forty years and they're womanizers. Mm-hmm. It's well, and I think Satan does the tempting, and so you might be like it's like an alcoholic too. I mean, like you might be sober for thirty years, and all of a sudden you are in a position and you start drinking again. I mean, it's like the temptation can be so great that that you do do the same thing again, and then. Yeah, I mean, we are all sinners. Absolutely. And I, you know, I am naturally attracted to women. That's in me. That desire is in there, right? Most men, that is their 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 case. Um, that's the majority. Most women are attracted to men, and that's in them, and that's, that is the case with them. But that doesn't make it okay for me to sleep with whoever I want to. Right. Right? And not just from a religious standpoint. Like, <laughs> my wife probably has a problem with that. Um, not to mention the emotional, the mental, the everything else that it, that it causes. So, you know, it's it's um, the reason I guess the foundation is what I'm is what I'm coming back to. Um, the reason why I live the way I live, the way I behave, the way I behave, the way I speak, the way I speak is not because I've subscribed to a set of principles that I'm like, you know what these these sound like a healthy life. This is right here. This is I'm gonna live my life by this. No. It's, it's established in relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And out of that relationship, God is changing me. He is renewing me. He is transforming, transforming my mind and the way I think. And as that transformation happens, it plays out in my behavior. It plays out in my speech. It plays out in all these other aspects. So that there's some things I'm going to do, not because it's wrong, but because it's not loving. And that's, that's probably the, that's the heart of following Jesus, right? Jesus says, Jesus takes 613 commandments. Because that's how many commandments there are in the Old Testament. Not just the 10, 613. And he narrows them down to at one point two, but before he ascends, um, he narrows it down to one. Um, right before the, cru- the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that's one, love one another as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And then from that perspective, if all i got to remember one, it's pretty easy. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. Because if I lied to you, well, that would be unloving. And I know that that's unloving. So I don't have to remember do not lie because right. to love you is not to lie to you. Yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to know that, that it's wrong to you know, commit adultery because I already know it's not loving to commit adultery. wouldn't be a loving thing to sleep with another man's wife or for a woman to sleep with another person's husband. And we know that that's not loving. Um, you know, the golden rule, I think, goes into application there of, well, how would you want people to treat you? And you know that you wouldn't want to be lied to. You wouldn't. You know that you wouldn't want someone to to wrong you in that way. I don't have to remember. Do not murder. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not going to murder anyways, because killing somebody is not a loving thing to do. Um, so it it changes everything. But again, that's being birthed out of talk about sex. That's being birthed out of a relationship. 
not as a subscription to a set of rules. And that's where it always got to start. And that's what Paul does. Even in the example that I was talking about with sexual immorality a while ago, like he comes back around to say, remember, you are holy. And holy has nothing to do with rules. Mm. Holy has only to do with relationship. Because I'm not holy because I can keep eight out of the ten rules. No. Right? And you're not holy because you can keep nine out of the ten. Or, you know, what's the limit? If like, you keep five out of ten, are you holy? Or where's the cutoff? There is no cutoff. <laughs> right. Holy is perfect. No sin. No falling short. That's holy. Well, how in the world can I be holy then? I'm being made holy by Christ Jesus. That's the relationship, not rule keeping. I think part of, like, being the church and, and loving one another is having conversations like this so that we can support other families with young kids, older kids, so that we can all have this conversation. Because like I said, I mean, I, I just really feel like the key is that we have to be louder than what Satan is trying to amplify right now. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, this was really good, I thought. Yeah, I hope you, you enjoyed it. I guess it's about almost 10 minutes longer than normal. Yeah. Um, but I got to throw one more thing out there before we go. Okay. Uh, Dr. Francis Collins, not Dr. Francis Scott. I said Francis Scott earlier. I thought I like, you Google said it. Collins. I don't think so. I think I said Scott. Um, but anyways, it's Dr. Francis Collins. You were thinking of Francis Scott Key. It's Francis Scott Key. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, But yeah, the the language of God, I think, is the book that ended up coming out of that. So again, he's the man who came to know Jesus by mapping the human genome. And it's just going back to what we said earlier, you always say God can use anybody. Like, how cool is that? And a lot of scientists actually... This is not a, a, a not com, uncommon um, thing for a scientist to come to God because they felt like their science uh, proved that mm-hmm. God is real. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really cool thing when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks guys for listening. Yeah, thank y'all.